0: Right. Welcome to another podcast edition of the White Collar Crimes Podcast. I am Ryan Horn, the host, and so glad to have you aboard for this first episode of a new season and the first episode of 2024. Haven't met with you in a couple weeks. Uh, hope you certainly all had a great and fantastic Christmas, New Year's. If you celebrate those holidays, if not, hope you had a great time anyway and hope your life's going very well and we're excited to jump in and tackle another season of covering the corruption crimes of the rich and wealthy and powerful elites that as I always say on this podcast oftentimes do not get anywhere near the media coverage that street crime violent crime all the other types of crimes that are out there do but people are nonetheless just as often victimized by these crimes and sometimes for longer-term damage so again great to have you back aboard this case we start off with some of you might remember this case it's not been a terribly long period of time since this case occurred but this is the case of colby alexander guy that became a fugitive for a while and he is known for being the CEO of Converse now that is C-O-M-V-E-R-S-E that is a telecommunications firm so they do telecommunications software primarily so they are not to be confused with Converse the popular sneakers that many of them many of you I know my age and probably older were certainly very familiar with very popular shoe brand Back in its day, I think they're still around, but uh, certainly had a very high popularity rate before. Now, they were a company that in the 1990s grew with cell phone expansion. They started back in the 80s, but they grew with technology, and that's not always the case with a lot of companies. We've covered some on here that unfortunately don't grow with the times and the changing technology, and they find themselves out of business or, you know, struggling to stay afloat. But uh, these guys, they managed to grow along with the expansion of cell phones, particularly with the software for voice messaging. Now I can remember the 90s and I can certainly remember my first cell phone back in my college days and it was one of the old bag phones that looked like a big bag that you would carry out in the battlefield to call in an airstrike and you plugged it into the cigarette lighter of your car and you got charged for every call coming in or going out didn't matter I can remember one time I was driving and I had a convertible back in my college days so I was really cool back in the day having a convertible and a cell phone because this is probably mid 90s not everybody had one back then and certainly not uh, like we do now but the bag phone I can remember one time driving along I think I was either coming or going to class and I got a call and Wrong number, and it cost me 15 cents basically to answer that call and tell that lady that she had the wrong number. That's how far we've come in the last 25 30 years in cell phone technology. Because again, you Gen Xers that are my age and older, you remember most certainly when all we did on these phones was literally just make a phone call, and that was it. There were no internet attachment to any of them and you didn't have your whole life on it you didn't do email and social media that wasn't around then and all these different things that the phones do now they didn't but as they began to develop at this point that's when his company kind of got around the curve and got involved and they particularly developed voice messaging software which it's still important we still use our cell phones and we still get voice messages and things like that so it still certainly is is of need it's not been replaced by technology yet but the guy that was behind a lot of the success for Converse was Colby Alexander and he is an Israeli American businessman who earned an economics degree from Hebrew University in Jerusalem now he also earned a we earned a finance degree from Hebrew University i'm sorry he earned an economics degree from hebrew university and later a finance degree from new york university so guy with a good economic background new business new numbers all those kind of things that are so important in business and he had a lot of success with converse really took him far in a really short period of time well how did he do that you ask well he managed to grow And they owed a lot of their success for him because he is noted in convincing the Swiss tech company ASCOM, I think I'm pronouncing this the correct way, A-S-C-O-M or ASCOM, to invest $6 million in commerce, Converse, around the mid-1980s. Now, in the mid-1980s, $6 million would probably, I would have to guess, would be the equivalent of about $20 million now at least. So that went a long way. And he was able to convince them to give this money and that gave converse very much the startup seed money the things they needed to really grow and expand and it wasn't long after they got this money from ascom they were able to take the company public and grow on and go on into nasdaq and continue to grow become a publicly traded company and grows pretty exciting when you have that in the company and we're excited to have that here because we're excited again this year to start off the new year with our sponsor one of our sponsors we're proud to have the weekend angler check out his youtube channel the weekend angler won't be long folks uh fishing season will be here and you want to check that out and really get a lot of good tips so we're proud to have that aboard as always proud that you're here to help us continue to grow. Please continue to like this show on our Facebook page. Give us the good five-star ratings. Follow us on Spotify, Apple, Google, wherever you're at. Share the links with your friends. Help educate the public on these type of cases like you're hearing right here because you don't hear about these cases often in the news or any type of public forum. And we're one of the few bringing that. This one, and we also have the Con Man and the Cop, a bonus podcast I have with famous actor and, and con man Steve Commissar. Please check that out as well. And you can also check out his podcast, Scam Junkie, also on Spotify here. Only three podcasts that I know that are seriously taking a look at white-collar crime and the world of the crimes committed by the elites, where money and greed is the motive. You don't get that in many other type of podcasts, but we're proud that we have sponsors that can help us do that and we're proud that you're tuning in and helping us do that as well. Now we saw with the rapidly growing companies though, things are not always as they've seen. We saw that with the recent uh, podcast we did on Health South and some others that despite appeared success and even making millions of dollars, the success is not always what they inflate it or make it out to be. And as we've seen so many times, many of these CEOs fraudulently inflate these numbers just to entice new investors and get them in. Because if you're an investor and you've got a little money and you want to put it into something, you're going to want to put it into something. It's going to grow you even more money. So you look around and see, wow, here's a company that's really going somewhere. I could put my money into this and grow that money in no time at all and get on board the fast moving track here it's easy to entice and when they're able to inflate numbers to you that are not realistic but are not real i should say but might be somewhat believable or realistic you're more likely to put money into that and that's exactly what they did again just like we've seen so many times on this podcast before Now, this will eventually get the company on the radar of law enforcement and regulators, and we see that all the time. Oftentimes, as that saying goes, when something's too good to be true, it often isn't or almost never is. And law enforcement and the regulators out there, they see that as well. When a company's growing too fast to be true, or maybe you take a closer look and the numbers just don't quite add up to what they're saying they are and what they're built up to be, And God knows we've seen that plenty of times in other ones with Enron and some huge examples of overly inflated numbers that make companies look way beyond what they actually are about and what they actually hold. And in the end, the investors lose their money. They're ripped off when these companies fold. And many of the stock owners are just working and middle class people trying to save a little bit for retirement. And those are the ones many times that are ripped off. But again, here's the question I have for you, the listener. I ask this often, and and it just always seems to just be the question of the day on any of these. But why would a million-dollar company get greedy and risk it all? If you're making millions of dollars, and these guys apparently were, HealthSouth apparently was, you're doing well, why would you need to inflate that to get even more? Why not just continue to grow and legitimately make your money and take your millions and be happy? why is that not enough i ask you the listener well it's what actions the ceos are willing to take why are they willing to take these type of actions for this immoral illegal gain again why can't they be happy enough with whatever they're getting out there why do they risk going to jail as we see so many times and speaking of that folks i do want you to tune in soon i was recently contacted by an attorney that listens to this podcast that uh, he has defended some high-profile white-collar cases, white-collar crime cases, and we're in the works now of getting him on here as a guest, and I can't wait. I'm very excited. He was very interesting to talk to, and I'm really excited to see what he can bring to the table here and what perspective and what angle he can do because we haven't had we've had an attorney or two on this show but none that have offended that have defended white collar criminals so i think that's going to be really cool so i will be saying look on out for that be sure and follow the facebook facebook page the white collar crimes podcast and be sure to uh check out for any updates sometimes i will do a quick little recording for just give you little updates of what's going on and you can always check that out, as I said, on the Facebook page, or I oftentimes will give updates, too, on my website, ryan-horn.com, but really excited about having this attorney on to show why what it's been like for him to defend a lot of these guys because again it's just puzzling when they are making millions of dollars why they're willing to do illegal activities to get even more and risk their freedom and losing it all just to be short-sighted enough for some illegal ill-gotten gains that they're most likely always going to get caught at i i'm baffled by that and that's one of the great mysteries in white collar crime and i'm hoping he can maybe give us a little bit of perspective in his experience what it's like defending these folks and what kind of reasons they come up with to him but alexander had been on the radar for years but he was actually not formally charged by the government until 2006 and he was charged with multiple conspiracy offenses as well as the usuals we talk about on here securities fraud wire fraud and mail fraud now at this time when these charges came about he was reported to be vacationing in Israel when these you know, indictments came down, and his attorney supposedly had made arrangements for him to return, but he did not, and he instead fled to Germany. Well, this quickly allowed, or quickly, obviously, the feds are going to issue a warrant when you flee justice like this, and that is exactly what they did, and a warrant was issued for his arrest now as this was occurring the criminal proceedings were coming about the sec also filed a civil case against him and many times as we've talked about on here before too the sec and that's for those of you in other countries or maybe just not aware they are the ones that regulate the wall street and the financial sector of the united states uh, they are the police of this of these sectors that stands for the security exchange commission and they are the ones that police this activity. And many times their cases before they go criminal, they will actually start with civil cases. And I'm not sure always what the motive could be for that. It could be to try to recover and recoup some of the money that they believe has been ripped off. Because again, many times these white collar crimes, these companies or these CEOs, they rip off the hardworking, honest, working and middle-class folks that have invested in, or maybe their employees that have invested their time and their retirement in the uh, stocks of the company and the future of the company and they get ripped off when this all falls and collapses and unfortunately they're left with nothing so could be why the sec oftentimes starts with a civil case but it could also be because it's easier to prove guilt in a civil case here in the united states civil cases are tried under the level of proof of what's known as preponderance of evidence and that simply means basically a 51-49% scale. If it's more likely true than not, then that person's guilty. It's much different than a criminal proceeding and the criminal trial where proof has to be beyond a reasonable doubt, which they say if you put it on percentages, that's well over 90%, so it has to be almost absolutely certain. Civil cases, civil trials do not do that and do not require that much proof. If you remember around this time back in the 90s we his case started in the 90s basically that we're talking about here but a lot of you probably like myself I was in college at the time you remember the O J Simpson case back in the mid 90s and he was acquitted in the murder trial even though most of us including myself believe he was guilty but nonetheless he was convi- or he was acquitted but you may also remember later on the family of Ronald Goldman took him to civil court for some damages and they got a massive judgment against him for millions of dollars. Why? It's easier to prove things and they were, they were able to prove in civil court that O.J.'s actions led to the death of their son. They may not have gotten it in criminal court where it was beyond a reasonable doubt, but he got it in civil court because again the standard of proof that must be met is much lower. And that could be why the SEC starts at this level before they pursue criminal charges. But a civil case was filed against him, and the case claimed that he was involved in falsifying many records and accounts. And again, we've seen that just saw it recently with the, House, the health South case, and some others we've covered recently on this podcast. And again, likely to entice investors. That most likely is the motive. But when this all comes about, I'm sure this wasn't suspicious or anything to the. Uh, law enforcement, but he transferred $40 million from an American account that he had to an account that he had set up in Israel. Again, probably, uh, certainly did not draw any kind of suspicion or anything, right? Well, he was finally brought to justice despite again fleeing over to Germany from Israel. But Interpol, which is basically like an international law enforcement tracking agency, they were able to track him down and he was arrested in Nambia. Uh, he was released soon on bail, however. Now, he actually did stay in this in Nambia while he was fighting extradition to the United States. And a lot of times, as we've seen too, some people will flee to countries that do not have an extradition treaty with the United States. That way it can be almost impossible for them to have to be extradited back. Uh, it's believed that the famous Hollywood actor Roman Polanski has done that for almost 50 years now to escape charges of him... Uh, molesting a young underage girl and he's hidden out and has never set foot on United States soil since this time because he would immediately be arrested. That's one of the theories on it and oftentimes people do but again he was picked up by Interpol in Germany or I'm sorry in Nambia but he decides to stay around there for a while and you know it's a poor country and he wants to kind of play himself off as a Robin Hood figure sort of and at this time he also filed a civil case against his old company converse and in this suit he alleged that he was actually owed over 72 million dollars in severance pay as well as some bonus pay stock option cash outs things of that sort so he decides to uh counter so to speak against his own company really even though he has inflated the numbers and ripped off probably no telling how much money and and uh, laundered money and illegally wired it and everything that he could out of this company, he decides he's going to try to milk and get more and files this suit against the company. As I said, he actually stayed in Nambia for a while during this time actually and became kind of sort of like a Robin Hood figure, investing his money in the poor communities. Maybe like liked to fashion himself that he was robbing from the rich, which he actually was. And giving to the poor. Now, it begs the question, was this his actual money or was this money that he illegally wired and laundered through the company? Through falsifying numbers, getting money from investors that was never going to be used for investing. All that kind of thing certainly is what the kind of questions you have to ask here. Because he was certainly generous with his money down there. Felt like he found a home and he decided to stay there while he and his attorney fought this case out but after a long extradition battle it was finally revealed in 2016 that he would return to the united states to face justice which he did and on february 23rd 2017 a federal judge sentenced him to 30 months in prison don't know how this was worked out but i guess his attorneys managed to work this part out because on on march 1st 2018 he was allowed to later finish his sentence in israel and after he finished that out for the rest of the time he was released uh no really word on his current activities anything like that he's young enough he certainly could continue in the business world if he wants and he can always also as we talk about on here so many times too he can act as a quote-unquote consultant in the background on things and be behind the scenes even though he might be the one that's actually pulling the strings and making the decision uh that's how he can also operate but that's what uh was reported that he was doing and we'll see how it goes uh he could be out there we may hear from him again he may decide to go back to nambia and spend out the rest of his life apparently he was pretty happy there maybe he can start a new life there we don't know uh if we hear of any updates or anything like that we will certainly be a take to the air and let you know of any developments in his case but as far as we know that's where this case has ended at this point but if you have an idea for a case that you would like to hear about please email me at ryanhornvt at gmail.com or if you want to be a guest on this show as i said have that working right now with one of our listeners and i'd be glad to have you on as well so yes please email me at ryanhornvt at gmail.com and please watch out for your friends and family from financial predators, scam artists, ones that we feature all the time on this podcast. Please be careful and watch out for them. And also watch out for yourself because you could fall victim too. Talk about it all the time on the Con Man and the Cop podcast with Steve Commissar. He's a famous con man, he's been conned before. I've worked in law enforcement my whole life but i've been scammed and conned a time or two so it can happen to any of us so please be on guard please adopt your next best friend from your local pet shelter and please tune in next tuesday for our next episode and continue to please tune in and help us grow this podcast we're so appreciative that you do that And we want to keep this going for many more seasons. So welcome back aboard. Glad to have you on this journey. And we'll see you for the next journey next week. God bless and take care, everybody.